McNulty standing for anyone to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to Pure Forecast, episode 202. Well, the Charlton curse is broken with a 2-2 draw at home. To the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hello, Hugh. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Uh, do we count the curse as broken? I guess it breaks a losing streak. Is it really broken when you concede 93rd minute? I think that's contentious. I don't know, actually. Is the actual record based on not winning rather than drawing i don't have a clue Is i that think the case? A, a 93rd minute equalizer i think you have to say there's some sort of curse if you believe in that sort of voodoo stuff it's uh it's still with us but better than some other recent attempts against charlton so yeah i'm kind of torn on it how you been buddy outside of this anyway yeah absolutely cracking yeah uh living the dream it's been a long week you can probably notice just to my left on the zoom call which is helpful on an audio podcast I have a girlfriend who's just had knee surgery. So uh, I am waiter, cook, cleaner. If you can imagine a household chore, I'm the one having to do it. So I'm probably in a proper housewife or a house husband or a house boyfriend this week. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fun balancing that with full-time work. She's sitting there dosing up on Cody and just ordering me around. It's dreamy. Relationship bliss, isn't it? To be fair, you're already in my top 20 friends who I'd like to be there to nurse me if I also bust my knee. I am or I'm not. You are. You're in my top 20 for sure. Oh, thank you. Out of how many? How many Facebook? No, how many LinkedIn connections did we say you had the other week? I've got 500 plus, but you know, friends wise, probably about 21, 22. Let's be honest. There's nothing great. That includes acquaintances down the pub, you know, someone just waved at me, all that kind of malarkey. Sweet. I'm in the top 80%. I'll take that. That could be worse. I'd rather it's be in the top 80% than not in the top 80%. Yeah, not at all. Um, I've been off the painkillers for a bit now, luckily, and you've also got off them as well. But someone who can be a pain in my ass is Freddie Webb. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm not so bad, Hugh. Yeah, I was. I was at the the Charlton game. Probably played quite well for a lot of it. It's just a shame we didn't get the result we wanted. And thankfully, I haven't had to deal with painkillers for quite some time now. How you doing, mate? Anyway, oh, not bad. Well, this week's just busy because I'm just working. So working this weekend. One person on my own. We're getting a new reporter. Woo! Some actual investment. Can you believe nice it? One. But now all I'm getting is uh, the news of changed the layout of the print paper, and those people are moaning about it. But hey, that's what ha- that, that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah, well, there you go. I've not been at the Charlton game. I was away for the weekend with my girlfriend as well. She's not in the background, but you both met her, so she does exist. On the basis of what I've been up to, I've been at a techno rave at the weekend. Been away for a, her birthday, then a sort of a drum and bass outside sort of event we did as well. So 
unfortunately, I didn't ch- catch the Charlton game live, but I've been trying to catch up. But Freddie, I'm sure you're going to interject with many a point I've missed this week. So just jump straight in there. Unlike normal, just just get in there quick and and you know fit fastest finger on the buzzer sort of situation. All right, let's just get into it now. I'm babbling. So first of all, we are going to review the game against Charlton. There is no game this week. So although I've now broken my regular talk of what I say to get into this, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in the news. And exactly, we're going to talk about a new signing, Josh Martin. That's right. He's signed for Pompey. It's quite interesting. We actually had him on the PO forecast transfer special about two years ago, I think it was, Fred. So no pressure, mate, but he better live up to it. Otherwise, we're going to get absolute pelters for mentioning it. I was going to say, every time a player is mentioned on the PO forecast, but you know we're, we're held up to high standards. I think, how many PO forecast approved players are signed for the club? Probably four. I think who we've mentioned on previous transfer specials and, and, and how many pro- how many promotions have we achieved in that time after using those PO forecast endorsed signings, Freddie, from your transfer specials? None. <laughs> but there's your answer. But what we have had is probably more successes than failures. I think. I think we're probably what? Well, the people we recommended was Bishop, Ogilvy, Lowry, and you recommended Owen Dale. I think. I also, I, well, I recommended um, Zach Swanson, but we also recommended, oh, you mentioned Ogilvy already, haven't you? Uh-huh, I was trying yeah. to make us sound better than we are then by mentioning someone twice. So we're probably, but... we're probably free one and one, I think. I think Lowry's still out there because of the injury record, but, you know, I think we've hit more than we've missed, I think. I think so too. Rich Hughes isn't, isn't calling me or doesn't even have my number. So that's probably why. Otherwise, I'll be reined into the recruitment team with Jack Hancock, yourself, and, and me. Is it only the top 20 that get your phone number? He's That's not what the girls say. He's not made it into the top <laughs> 80%. He's not, but you know what? I'll let Freddie into the top 80%. But all right, let's get cracking into the Charlton game. As I said, Fred, I'm I'm looking at you mainly. Andy also watched the game, but, you know, do you want to be leaned on by me, Andy, or do you want me to just lean on Fred? Like metaphorically or physically? I always appreciate a good lean from you in person, but... um. Happy either way. Yeah, I can I can chime in here and there. I watched the game as well. I was, according to my IP address, I think I was in the Netherlands this weekend watching the game. So VPNs are our saviors. Yeah, it wasn't an option to go down this weekend, unfortunately, because of some selfish person getting their leg cut open. So uh, yeah, it was a, a VPN jobby for me, but can, uh, can contribute to everything other than the atmosphere. Absolute passion, Andy Mitchmore getting the Euro star to Amsterdam purely for the reason of not getting high, but to listen to the PO forecast and watch the game. It's all about being able to legally watch streams. I'm I'm a big advocate for that. So yeah, jump on the Euro star just to avoid any potential law breaks. Absolutely. Yeah, it's lucky we have no sponsors and so no one can hold us to those sort of comments. So that's pretty much why, isn't it? <laughs> I do have jobs, but you know, I don't think they're going to be too upset about me VPNing being on their iCloud. I I sincerely hope. Very sad if they do care. You have to keep that pirate outfit for other activities rather than just streaming, mate. But right, let's get into the game. Is this this a new thing where you make one comment every week that I just leave well alone? There was one last week where I just didn't even bother unmuting. It seems like it might be a new big thing for you, just making suggestive comments and hoping, well, just seeing if I nibble or not, metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically. All right, let's get into it. So there's quite a lot of chances in this game from what I've seen. Let's talk about the first goal here. Alex Robertson takes it in swinging corner from the left-hand side. It's headed out to the D. And Abu Kamara, let's not toot our own horn, Fred, but we said he was going to score a goal. Hits it on the volley. It's sweet as. 
slaps the back of the net and it's 1-0. Yeah, nice finish. And uh, thankfully, it was what Pompey needed to get out of the break first. Pompey actually scored the first goal for once, which was a nice change. I think before that, probably the best chance before that goal was probably that shot that Alvy May had when he played the 1-2 with Louis Watson, which just went, just went past the post. But it's quite a fairly even game, both sides not creating huge amounts. But no, Ab- Abu Kamara taking it flush. Some people saying he shinned it. I can't be I can't be bothered with that argument. It went in. I'm not as fast to be honest. <laughs> it looked it looked it looked nice from the back of the front end at the very least. But no, it was good that they actually had the corner set up where Abu Kamara was outside the penalty area to latch onto the ball potentially going out there. So it was a good setup and a decent finish in the end. I think it's gone. Yeah, and this game seems to be marked by a lot of chances that didn't go in for Pompey. So Andy, I don't know if you want to just take it from here, but I'm just going to talk about there's a couple of opportunities here, but it's a short corner from Robertson. He sort of mixes it up rather than just swinging it into the box. And it's played to the back post. I think it looks like it's Bishop who heads it. It's an amazing save from the goalkeeper who's just trying to make up later on for that penalty. But it seemed like a quite a few chances going on here. And another one, corner goes into the box, played out. Kamara hits it again. That's not come off his shin, but it's deflected. Comes off the post. Bishop follows it in, connects with it, and again, comes off the bar. Yeah, Maynard Brewer had a really, really good game, didn't he? I was, I was listening to the Charlton Live post-game thing on the Sunday and they were saying that they thought him having such a good game was probably the reason he gave away the penalty because all that adrenaline was rushing and the confidence was up and he came out for a ball that he probably wasn't ever going to get later in the game. But yeah, he made an absolute, well, a couple of absolute worldy saves in that first half, didn't he? It was, I mean, it, it could have been two all at half-time, really, couldn't it? Or three all at half-time with the... Uh, the chances that Alfie May had in that first half, combined with the saves from Raggett and the save from Kamara and then Bishop hitting the bar. It seems to be a theme this season that the games we haven't won, I, I have memories of us saying multiple times, okay, we didn't win the game, but seven times out of 10, we do win that game if it's played on repeat, which can't be a bad sign. And I do think this is another one of those where if you play that exact game 10 times, we win it more than half the time. And as long as that continues to be the case in the games where we do drop points, I think you have to see it as drop points because you concede in injury time, it is points dropped. But uh, as long as that continues to be the case in those games, I do think we'll be all right. I was impressed how we were creating a lot of chances in the wide areas as well. There was a lot of, obviously a lot of talk about Pompey not creating as much from their wingers. Um, Lane and Kamara both had excellent games. I thought we were able to link with the midfield quite well. And there are a lot of crosses coming in. Raggett really imposed himself whenever he came up for a set piece, which is good. He had that header that he headed down, but it was at the feet of Maynard Brewer. And then on another day, Bishop probably takes one of those chances that he has. It's a real shame. It was the right player to, for the ball to fall to in those situations, but it just didn't work, unfortunately, I think. The only other, there was a only a major chance in the second half was when there was a cross up wide to Alfie May who was playing in the number ten, but he was sort of moving around all over the place into the channel. He had that left foot shot that was defective off the centre half, which Norris tipped wide. But Pompey were on top purely down to chances created, and they employed a very high press. I think the analytics had it at five point eight five passes allowed per defensive action on average. That's a very, very high press and they're able to win the ball back a fair bit, which was good in the end. But yeah, they just didn't didn't convert as many of their chances at 1-0 and then Lou Watson punished them in the end to make it 1-0. 
Well, Alfie May did. It was a pass by Louis Watson. You get the idea. That was a great setup, actually, there. But Andy, I'm going to come back to you before you get into that because I want to know. I love the way how you repped the Charlton live show after you went off camera on the the pregame show, and they ultimately ripped into you for being a boffin for being a doctor. How did you feel about that? I mean, it's it's all true. I don't really know what. There's no point denying it. I'm a massive geek. It's one of my either nice personality traits or massive personality flaws depending on how you see it i, I didn't know they're torn into me hopefully nothing too nothing too brutal i was gonna say you always, you always try and persuade people to call you doctor whenever he meets up for a chat and stuff oh absolutely you know me i none of that mr rubbish yeah absolutely if you don't even call me andy just doc that'll do no i can't stand it i don't oh that would have been twitter wouldn't it i was gonna say i don't even know how they knew but yeah my twitter handle's got it in uh, anyway, on the Charlton Live subject, um, really nice of Pompey to back up my predictions nicely. I confidently told them on the game preview that we don't really tend to score too much in the first 30 minutes, and then we come on really strong in the final 20. So case in point here, yeah, we score after 31 and then concede two in the last 20 minutes of the game. So they've really supported my expert predictions there. So yeah, super grateful for that. I'm sure the Charlton Live lot think I'm really, really competent at my uh, at my podcasting life well they wouldn't be wrong would they freddie you want to talk about the equalizing goal for us yeah sure it was it was from alfie may from a tight angle actually surprisingly he played a one-two with louis watson on the side may sort of dribbles into the dribbles into the penalty area close right right close to norris really and then hits it low and then it just sort of sort of squirms under him which is a bit of a shame he always it's a bit of a cliche to always say oh the keeper would have wanted that back every time the ball goes in at their near post it was struck well, but I think I would have liked it if Norris saved that, to be honest. I think he might have, should have done. Arguably, the defending could have been a bit tighter on that side, but it was a nice one-two for May to get into that chance in the first place. He did, he did a lot with it. So, yeah, what one all pretty gutting, considering Pompey had the lion's share of the chances beforehand, I thought. Speaking of Alfie May, he has literally just scored in their FA Cup replay. He's banging in goals all over the place. Take that craze, whatever they're called. Yeah, Andy. Cray, Cray Valley, right? I think that's Cray, right. Cray Valley Paper Mills. That one. <laughs> Paper Mills, that is an elite name, though, got to say. Andy, what do you think? Should Will Norris done better on the first goal? Yeah, I think, again, not to coin that cliche too much, but both goals, he's going to be very disappointed looking back that he's conceded them. I mean, to get beaten at your near post from that angle is poor. That's a... That's a sign that your uh, left foot on the near post is in the wrong place in terms of in terms of foot placement and positioning. Yeah, you you there's zero chance you should be beat, beaten at the near post there. Uh, having said that, I'm not on board with the pylon that has sort of happened at the full time whistle because I'm thinking back at the points that he has got us over the last few well the last few months. You know, you're thinking of games like the Reading game where it saves got us the three points, the Carlisle game where his save in the last minute got us the three points, made a couple of really good saves in like the Peterborough and Wickham games as well. And yeah, 100% should have done better with these two goals. But he is still very much in the net positive in terms of points gained or lost for the team as far as I'm concerned. And I think that is an actual metric, but I've not looked at it or have... I, I, don't, I, I don't think it helps that this Norris game came after the last cup game he played where he was poor rushing out and it was his fault for that goal as well, arguably. His prevented goal stat 
which takes into account expected goals on target, whether he should have saved it or not. It's right about even. It's only plus 0.34 in the league. So purely down looking at expected goals on target, he's around average where he is. But obviously, if someone has a very wicked shot from 25 yards, it looks as if it's going to go in the corner. The XG of that shot is usually quite low. And if he's able to save those, then that balances out looking at the eye test. This was this probably was, again, not a very good game. I don't think the pylon was fair, but it was a, it's, it's been a poor two games. And fingers crossed he'll be able to turn it around afterwards. And I think it's fair that the fans criticised him after the game. Yeah, 100%. I think the... The mistakes in this game were absolutely critiquable. I just think when you start looking more macro and saying he's not good enough, blah, 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 you know, give Schofield the next game, which I saw in a few places, it's very short-term thinking. That I also saw someone say Sol Bishop in January after this game. Yeah, I saw that as well. Oh, God, that, but that made me want to have a sick, but there we are. I mean, he did get one goal in this game anyway, so which we'll come and talk on in a second. And Freddie's the, the podcast professional, so he set me up, but... Ball goes through, and a nice through ball there. Puts through Paddy Lane. Goes around the keeper, gets taken down. It's a penalty. What I'd like to know, Fred, is do you think, throwing this back at you, you podcast professional, do you feel that it's a penalty? I'm guessing it's a yes. And from there, it's an easy finish from Bishop, isn't it? Who doesn't really miss? Yeah, I, I do think it's a pen. I know that some people would say it's a bit harsh on the keeper, considering that what can the keeper do there? Because by the time he's committed, Lane has taken the ball around him. But like I said, Blaine was able to take the ball around him. Keeper gets none of the player. Doesn't pull out of the challenge because, well, he can't and completely wipes him out. It's a penalty. <laughs> I mean, obviously the intention from the keeper was to clear the ball, but he had no real right to rush out there, in my opinion, and wasn't anywhere near it. So clear penalty. I thought the ref in this game was fairly decent, to be honest. Gave gave things both ways. Some of the fouls were quite soft at the end, but Overall, for a League One refereeing performances, I thought performance. I thought it was good, and then yeah, Bishop just waited for Maynard Brewer's leg to collapse, and they just put it in the other corner. Quite good that he was able to get on the score sheet, considering all the other chances he had in this game. On the Norris team, uh, Freddie, can I ask what your reaction was when he Cruyff turned Alfie May? We're going back a little bit in the game now, but how confident were you as uh, as you saw him pull that out of the locker that he was going to be successful, or was a part of you thinking? Oh no! Based on other things at the moment, I thought he's, I thought he had his head right after he Croy turned Alfie May. I thought ah, he's got he had the mistake behind him. Now he's confident enough to be able to take the ball around the striker like that. And other parts of his ge- in this game here were good. His distribution was on point. His command of area was okay. But then again, what you want from your keeper above all else is to make saves, and unfortunately, he didn't in this game. I don't think it's a bad thing. Norris is good with his feet. If he pulls it off, fair play to the man. He's probably a better pass than some of the other players we have in the team. So I'm fine with him doing it as long as he pulls it off. And as long as he keeps pulling it off, I'm completely cool with it. Let's just quickly move on. Go on to the last goal here. I'll be honest. This is a, a hopeful hoof into the box by Charlton. A looping hoof into the box. The player does the right thing here. He heads it down, which is pretty much all I can say, really. And it sort of squirms in again at the near post. Will Norris should have done better there, but again, I will say this one thing, and it's to do with goalkeepers. Where they make a mistake, it usually ends in a goal. Most players make mistakes throughout games and nothing really happens to them. So 
I think we should give him a little bit of a time off here, guys. And I definitely don't want to be starting Schofield on a regular basis. So from that basis, give the man a little bit of a break. Yeah, I, I do give him a bit of a break. I think he's got it with his previous games. He has credit in the tank and we don't really have an option behind him at this very rate. Yeah, Conor McGrandles was able to get as much from that cross as he was able to. He was able to put a lot of power on the header, which was good. Pierre Forecast approved signing Scott Fraser was involved in this build-up play, Hugh. So you, you'd be very happy with that. Putting the ball out to Teo Eden, who put in the hopeful cross into the box. I thought this mistake was worse, to be honest, because at least May was able to get himself into that position and hit, hit, and hit the shot with power, whereas his header really squirmed onto him. I, I, I thought it was poor, to be honest, and it highlights in the XG of it being a 0.11 chance. The May chance was 0.10. And yeah, unfortunately, it just was a shame that both mistakes came down to the goalkeeper, to be honest. Yeah, it was. I think in summary, though, we created a lot of chances, probably should have won the game from the chances I saw. If we keep doing that, keep creating chances, I do back our players to score more goals. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because football obviously comes down to the basics are you prevent goals going into your own net and you score goals up the other end. And other than our ability to actually score goals and our ability to not actually concede stupid goals, we played really, really well which is just a ridiculous statement to make about a football team. But other than yeah, Norris's individual mistakes in this game and other than being able to finish those chances, the performance was genuinely like really good. I have nothing to complain about. Morel played really, really well, I thought. Put in a couple of meaty tackles. Sort of, You could argue he stopped us from losing the game 3-2 in the last minute with a really, really good block after that equalised. Uh, he brought out a rugby tackle at one point as well. Literally rugby tackled someone from behind on the halfway line and somehow didn't get booked. That was the moment I decided I liked this referee. And I thought he had a very, very solid game. It's interesting to see that Swanson got used in a more left-back role in the second half. Uh, it's unfortunate that the ball going over his head is what resulted in the second goal. But I thought it was quite interesting to see how there's that flexibility there where we've tre- we've tended to talk and think of your right options being Rafferty or Swanson with, you know, Ogilvy or Sparks left back or playing on the left side. Maybe there is that avenue that Messino's looking at of Swanson being an option on the left while Ogilvy is out. Cray Valley have a penalty, by the way. Yeah, it's something we discussed when he came from Arsenal as well. Like he can play in the middle. He can play right back or left back. So it's something he's done for academy football. Obviously, he's preferred to play on the right-hand side rather than the left, but at the same time, he can play the left-hand side. It's nice to see Massinho looking at that flexibility and giving it a go. Unfortunate about the goal, but still, generally, that could have happened to another player as well in that position. And at the same time, Zach Swanson, flexible. <laughs> I was going to say like a what you call like a pen knife, but I don't really know how that works out. So... Like a Swiss Army knife? Is that that's what you're thinking? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Thanks, Andy. I Same way, brother. All good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Alex Robertson, Freddie Webb. Had a good game in this one. Lots of... Got, obviously got the assists, but at the same time, played very well in the middle of midfield, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, him and Morel are creating quite a nice partnership in there, especially with the link-up play. And Massino has mentioned a lot about having possession, but not having possession for the sake of it. I know managers say that all the time, don't they? Especially with a side that plays out from the back a little bit. 
But no, you think whenever Robertson gets on the ball, you immediately think it's going to be a decisive pass somewhere, whether it's out wide or maybe to Morel or to Devlin when he was playing at a number 10 or Sadie when he came on. Pompey's advanced stats for passing were quite good as well. They had 80.72% progressive pass accuracy, which is above their average for the league. They're able to get the ball and build up play very well with Robertson and Morel in the midfield. And that gives me a lot of hope when Pat comes back, you're able to play Robertson back in the number 10. And I think those three will link up incredibly well when Pat's back up to speed again. So do you drop Devlin at that point? Yeah. Okay. Not because Devlin's played poor, but I think it's clear that he's still a very, very raw player. He was able to have a very good impact against Reading, but then he was knocked it off a little bit against Chesterfield. I didn't think he had a bad game in this game either. I thought he was able to link up with Bishop very well, doing what Massinho says and staying quite tight to him. But I think you unlock a lot of Robertson by playing him in the number 10 when Pat comes back. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. And Devlin being only 19, it gives him a lot of time. He's, you know, you know, you, 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 you don't. There's no point in playing him every single week when he's a bit knackered at his age. He's able, you're able to bed him in a little bit more, which I think is probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, and he's still bedding into the amount of games you play in the EFL. Obviously, in Ireland, you don't play as many games, so he's a young player. It's a big season, and as Freddie said, he's got time to develop. Also, we know there's going to be more injuries, right, in, in midfield across the season as it goes. So. Yeah, apart from just the rotation of just sort of keeping people fresh, we, there's going to be an injury and I'm sure definitely we'll get his chance off the bench if it happens and also to to come in as well. Anything else you want to cover on this game before I move on? Yeah, there's only one bit we need to do for this game. Just like every single game, we got to play Guess the XG. And he's watching the football, ignoring me at this point when I mentioned this game. So this time, obviously, you mentioned that Colby Bishop had a lot of chances in this game. He did score. But what was his overall expected goals in this game? Now, this is annoying because I'm about to lose to someone who didn't actually watch the bloody game. So that's going to be quite frustrating for me, if I'm honest. I don't know whose turn it is to go first. Andy, you can't lose. I'm just not even sure how many chances Colby Bishop even had, let alone actually I mean, sort of guessing it from there. I mean, it is called Guess the XG. So there's going to be a really strong point on the word guess here rather than guesstimate. Estimate. Yeah. Educated estimate, the XG. That's less catchy for sure. The fact you're leaning back from the microphone makes me think you're expecting me to go first here, which is upsetting. I'm 100%. Although I will ask you one question and the answer will depend on if you have to go first or not. You get to go first if you're drinking alcoholic gin. If you're drinking 0% gin, then you go first. Which one is it? So I think with the penalty uh, <laughs> that was taken, that obviously <laughs> gives a bit of a boost first time out. I've not drunk for like five weeks. Like zero alcohol. Um, it's a terrible life choice. Anyway, so I think Colby Bishop's penalty, obviously, I can't even remember what that is. Is that 0. 0.7 or something or 0. 0.75? penalty the header oh the the attempt that hit the crossbar that's got to be it's got to be a 0 0.18 0 0.2 because it's a elevated leg on the pivot and on an angle so that'd be 0 0.93 
1.17. Okay. So I'm fine with the penalty you said. I think that Bishop's chance that he had, which at the bar is going to be higher than what you said. So I'm going to add 2.5, well, 0.25 to that. I'm going to say Bishop had a XG of 1.25. I think I've gone too low and I think you've got this. Uh, you're right, Andy. Hugh is the closest with 1.25. White Scouts for most of Bishop's chances were quite high in this game. The overall XG for him they gave him was 2.22 in this. Obviously, highest being 0.76, the penalty. Second highest was the volley, which hit the bar. Then it was the header that was tipped over. Then it was the shots where it was the low cross from Paddy Lane. Bishop was on his own sort of at the back post with the poor touch and then swiped. Well, blocked. Right? Got blocked, about that yeah. one. And then there were some other smaller accumulative shots as well. So Hugh is the closest, but by a small margin. There we go. Not too bad, Andy. I'm actually quite comfortable with this because the fact that someone who hasn't watched the game can defeat someone who has watched the game just highlights what a stupid premise the entire thing is based upon. So I'm fairly comfortable with that result. Fred, I'll give you a comeback on that before I move on. And I will say, say though, both of you could have known what that was because I mentioned it on the episode of The Extra, which came out on Monday. And neither of you obviously listened to it. So. Absolutely not. I have had zero <laughs> podcast time this week. Not even going to pretend to have listened. Not a word of it. I've listened to the first half an hour, if that counts, because I was checking that you Good didn't. Fuck up. I, th- I was checking that you didn't fuck up the volume levels again. Yeah, yes, I know, and thankfully it didn't. And uh, thankfully the listeners enjoyed this one properly. So, yeah, two point two two on this one. Again, to concede, I thought Weisgart probably would have had some of those chances slightly lower looking at previous but no as most people said just by looking at the eye test bishop had a lot of chances and could have put some of them away a little bit better he's now below shooting below his expected goals with it now being just over 11 compared to 10 goals but i rate him to come back into this really i think it's only the one game that skewed it a little bit but that expected goals is high because of the good positions he gets in on the pitch because of that side of his play if he was a terrible striker his xg would be much lower because he wouldn't get the chances because he wouldn't be in the right position so i have no issue with that whatsoever fred are you are you keeping a, a tally of the guess the xg table as the I season am, progresses yes. I am. I've got, an, I've, got an, I've got i've got a notepad on my screen Do, should we give the listeners an update or should we keep it secret on this one all right i'll take that as a no i'll give you the update currently it is four three in favor of hugh bunce and obviously one point to gida over jack hancock on the <laughs> other episode so that is the current xg table so it would actually be for all except i i nominated in a hamster instead of uh going against myself okay i'll take that i i'm willing to sacrifice an overall season win if it means that jack comes below a rodent in the scoring system. I'll yeah. I'll take that on the chin. Andy just manipulating stats he does for a living there because obviously he played that against Jack, not me. So I've actually not done that the other way around. So then I'm curious about the manipulating stats being what I do for a living. I don't know if you think I've moved into the world of propaganda alongside my other role. I'm, I'm unsure what that comment was referring to. I thought you were employed by certain state governments in order to provide medical information, which is being with a bias. Uh, no, that is one of the things you tell the listeners when I'm abroad on holiday and not on the podcast. I believe that's one of the many lies 
that has been propagated about me over the last four and a half years um, to the extent that people don't actually know when things have happened in my life because I've been told they think you're lying, such as my shoulder uh, sort of re whatever you want to call it. People actually thought you were lying about that and it was a joke and then they were very surprised when I turned up to the first game of the season in a sling and I'm still doing rehab. So was it the boy who cried wolf? Uh, you told so many lies about me, people don't believe the truth anymore. That is exactly the sort of things some sort of spin doctor would say, because I've never mentioned anything about you, Andy, when you're away, which is not 100% true. All right, so stop trying to spin us and let's move on. Okie dokie. A bit of housekeeping here. I'd like to thank Liam Hunter Felton for giving us a very de- uh, generous donation on Buy Me A Coffee. So thanks for that, Liam. It's much appreciated. Had not seen that. Thank you, Liam. That's appreciated. We'll get Freddie good and drunk at Blackpool at home. Some of the money will go to better places than that. But yes, no, thank you again. It's very appreciated. Obviously, we have that link up, but we don't really advertise it that much because it is purely voluntary. So did, uh, did Liam say did Liam say where he wanted the money to go towards? No, nope. he said, Love the pod, guys. Keep it up. Oh, excellent. But thank Liam, you, Liam. If, Liam, if you are listening and you want to give a particular reason for the donation we are all is no matter how ridiculous it is one of us would do it or just generally let's be honest we are still trying to pay for things so there we go um okie dokie so let's move on let's talk about yangi being involved in the australia squad obviously this is something that i'm really happy for kissingi for getting into the australia squad he seems over the moon don't know if you guys have seen any of the interviews he's done about it but the man seems very happy. It's not surprising. He's got a great goal return for Pompey, even in his limited minutes, I'd say. So he gets picked up by Australia. It's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? He'll be out in January. And Fred, do you know how long he'll be out for? I'm not sure, actually. Um, I've read a few things about Yangi's call-up. I mean, he read Anna Harrington's article in the West Australian, where he said they grew up watching Jamie McLaren banging the goals in the A-League, and he's always wanted to play for Australia obviously play up front and get into those one-on-one battles and the the international career seemed to mean a lot of him and he said that his call-up was a great advert for footballers of African descent who grew up in Australia because part of his family is South Sudanese and he's following the footsteps of other players like Ewa Mobile who played in for FC Midtjylland in Denmark. Rasmus Nikolaisen, isn't that where he came from? Yes, that was the same team, yeah. But no, very happy for Yengi deserves it. I hope he grabs that chance with both hands um, he really deserves it depth-wise for Pompey it comes with a bit of a question mark because obviously who do you play up front if Bishop gets injured but cross that bridge we get there I suppose and congratulations to Rasmus Nikolaisen who put 50 quid on because then he into the squad <laughs> he's doing very well for Toulouse now Rasmus Nikolaisen for the last time I checked just goes to show if you take a gamble sometimes it pays off okie dokie Let's move on to the next thing. Fred, do you have anything else in the news to bring up before I sort of close this off, I suppose? Injuries. Yeah, we, we, we do have the big injury Regan Paul thing, which is probably the main bit of news. I was more upset about that than the actual result in the end, which says a fair bit. The club announced that obviously Paul will be out for the season with the ACL injury. Uh, Andy Moon basically said that he'll probably have surgery in the next couple of weeks before nine months of rehab. He also said, there's not a guarantee he'll start next season if the rehab goes completely wrong, but fingers crossed that it doesn't. Obviously, this now puts Pompey in a very precarious position because the club only have three centre-halves now. Asenio said he wants 
Senior centre-halves. Yes, Messina wants two at every position. We're assuming that Hadji Minogue will stay at Aldershot. That's not based on any new source. That's just me guessing at this point. So at least one centre-half will have to come in in January. I saw in the news that they're planning for that. And even though it's an obvious point, it's good that the club are actually doing that. So looking for a replacement already. <sighs> this could potentially derail the season, in my opinion, because Paul is arguably the second most important player in this team. It's quite clear if Bishop goes down with injury for the rest of the season, that torpedoes Pompey's chance of promotion. I would put Regan Paul's injury in the same bracket. He adds so much to the back four. He commands it very well. He's integral to how the side plays out from the back. He always offers an out ball, very good at interceptions, very good in terms of progressive passes. His metrics are very high on that in the league. One of the better ball-playing centre-halves in the division. And since Pompey play that way, it's a massive loss. I know that some experts, I know Andy Moon pointed out that he believes any side with Sean Braggart starting in their starting 11 can still get promoted. I'm sorry, I don't really. I genuinely think if Regan Paul isn't replaced in January, I don't think Pompey can get promoted if he's not replaced properly. That being said, Fred, I think credit has to go to Sean Raggett for how he got on against Charlton. Uh, compared he played to very well against season. Charlton. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. I agree with your sentiment for what it's worth, but I think we also need to caveat that with did a pretty decent job at the weekend, did a better job than I was expecting, to be honest with you, over the course of the 90. He was dangerous going forward and pretty anonymous at the back, which is what you want, just solid and not drawing any attention to himself in that position. But yeah, yeah I think the problem is, Andy, we're not looking at just that game. We're looking at over 200 appearances. We know the sort of player that Sean Raggett yeah. is. I'm very saying good, I agree very with good, your very good, Yeah, very good one-on-one -on -one defender. Can take out a striker by man-marking him on occasion. But or by kicking them off the ball when they're last man and he's been beaten for pace, either or, or. you can take are, him yes. out that way too. Yes, or but he can't deal with players running at him with the ball, can't deal with channel runners very well, isn't brilliant at playing the ball out from the back, and has the odd ricking him every now and again. I don't trust, I just don't think a side with Sean Raggett in this back four can get promoted. I want to be wrong, and I'll be very happy if he proves me wrong, but I have seen over 200 appearances for the club that already of what sort of player he is. And it's, and especially now, since I still don't think John Massino rates Riley Towler, he's quite clearly the third choice at this point. So you're already looking to bring in another centre half. The depth isn't in that position anymore. So yeah, yeah. Riga a massive miss, a massive, massive miss. I don't think it's too outlandish to say that it could backfire if Pompey don't replace Regan Paul properly. No, I absolutely agree. And it's been part of our play and our build-up, etc., of having two players at the back as well who can pass the ball out. It makes us much more difficult to mark. It makes it easier for the centre midfielders to come and collect the ball because now Shaughnessy can also pass the ball out fairly well as well. So when you've got two centre-backs that can do that, that can sort of pass it between each other, create space and lay it through to the midfield help us build up from the back. It, it really made us quite a dynamic team in that sense, passing out. Now we haven't got Regan Paul. We need to replace him with a player who can do similar. Maybe not, doesn't have to be as good as Regan Paul, but a skill set that can fill in and do what he was doing from that sense. 
Freddie, I'm assuming in the extra little plug, go back and listen to it after this. If you haven't listened to it already, it was released on Monday. Did you discuss replacements Regan Paul? Yeah, we talked about the sort of profile of the defender. We talked about, we delved in a bit deeper of Paul's analytics and Jack Hancock brought, brought up some names and so did Joff Taylor, brought up some names for centre-half. Um, one of them I definitely know of off the top of my head is Ben Nelson, who plays for Leicester City. Young player who's been loaned out in the Football League before, has experience. Uh, your favourite centre-half, Jack Tucker, was also mentioned as a potential get. Um, obviously, when he was at Gillingham, I wasn't really impressed by his ball playing, but he has played for MK Dons for quite a while now, So, and obviously he would have been forced to adapt there. It'll be a big thing in January because obviously I assume we'll be doing a transfer special. So we'll look at some names for centre-halves and the sort of players we should bring in. And it'll also be interesting to see if our newest acquisition at left wing stays beyond January as well. Exactly. And let's talk about Josh Martin now. I thought he had a pretty decent career when he was, you know, prospect-wise when he was at Norwich. Came with really high regards. I spoke to the guys there who said he was a perfect sort of winger. Can play across the front three. Attacking midfielder will fit it into our system in that sense. Fred, I'm interested to know, though, because I know he had some loan spells that didn't quite work out. Was it MK Dons he went to at one point, I believe? They played him as a wing-back in that system, which is why he was sort of not playing too well, out of position. He's had a few sort of half-loan spells. He's been with the club. So let's hope now, with Pompey, he's been training with the team. He obviously knows the system that messino has been uh, employing. So let's see if he can fit in now and, and just sort of kick off, really. Where do you expect him to play, Andy, as he laughs away at me talking? Do you actually expect him to be a player who just sort of comes on and gives some sort of impact from the bench and we go from there? I think potentially it's going to depend on the severity of the Paddy Lane injury that we've learned about this afternoon. I think that's going to have an impact on where we see him on the pitch. I think in terms of the signing, I mean, how long has he been training with Pompey? We heard about him, what, weeks ago now. He's been with the club for a decent amount of time. So you'd have to say that you know, it's a fully educated decision. It's not one of those panic signings. We've got an injured player. We need someone in to fill in that position, sort of a an emergency second choice. So you'd have to say it's a very educated decision from Messino. Seen a lot of him on the training ground. Um, in terms of, I mean, in terms of ranking and whether you start him or, I mean, I honestly would defer to Fred on that. I'd imagine he would know more than me on this topic. Yeah, I think the Josh Martin signing is quite shrewd. Not only has he been with the cover for quite a while, he mentioned in the interview that, he, that he's basically fitted right in with the lads already. So it's clear that he's been on trial training with the club for some significant period of time. I think he fits the sort of winger we need. He's a classic 1v1 winger who makes a lot of dribbles, isn't the most accurate with his dribbles and crosses at times, but he's the sort of player who always takes the risk, which I think we need in the wide area. Jack Hancock did a really good Manassas breakdown of him on his medium site. He's a, he was above average for dribble success rate when he was at Doncaster in the 2021-22 season. He's also very good at progressing the ball. He can create chances and create shots. He also likes to shoot from out wide as well, which can be a bonus. You just hope he doesn't go overboard with that and actually provides Bishop with some opportunities in the middle. The problem is he hasn't had a lot of football. Obviously, he's had those loan spells where he was sort of in and out of the team. He also had that period with Norwich where he was sort of on the cusp of being involved in the squad when they were going for promotion from the championship one season. 
played some games here and there, but like with many other Bombay's players who they brought in, he, he hadn't been a, a starter for an extended period of time. Jack also mentioned he doesn't like his positional prey at times, especially in pressing. He, also, he sort of overcommits in the duels, puts in a lot of fouls, but that fits with his games of being fits with his game of being an aggressive winger. He can also do a little bit of both where he can hug the touchline and also go narrow and dive into the penalty area. So depending on if you've got Connor Ogilvy at left back, Martin can be a traditional winger, stay on the touchline, collect the ball, put the crosses in. Or if Jack Sparks is behind him, then he can be in a more aggressive and dribble into the penalty area. Considering it's a short-term contract until January, I don't see anything wrong with his signing at all. I think it's quite shrewd. I think it's very positive. In terms of him getting a chance, you would assume, I would think, assuming that Paddy Lane's injury, he's obviously not been in the Northern Ireland squad, he's been taken out of that. From reading around in the press, it's a calf injury, but it was described as a knock. So it doesn't sound like it's horrendous. But if you assume that he's out for the next next game in a few weeks, which I believe is against Blackpool, I assume they go for experience and start Gavin White, even though really he hasn't played well enough arguably to deserve it, even though some of his underlying numbers like crossing and expected assists are reasonable. I assume he will start on the right wing, Abu Kamara will start on the left wing, and then Josh Martin's probably the first sub in the wide role, who will play on the left wing, and then the other winger will play on the right wing. So now it, it, it solves the depth issue, and it's the sort of player profile that we needed. I'm quite happy with it. And the short-term deal means that if Martin sets off like a train, then you can extend until the end of the season or beyond that. And if he looks well beyond it, then Pompey can look for another option in the window. That's right. I hate to be like the harbinger, harbinger of doom, but we also thought that Regan Poole's knock was the the less severe of those ones in game. So you can't always tell from initial reactions. Obviously, I sincerely hope that, uh, that Paddy Lanes is not a severe injury, but I don't think we can read too much into anything because we read it completely incorrectly in the pool injury, as most people did until the scan came through. I remember Josh Martin playing with Doncaster as a January loan. And I remember he started slowly in that sense. He's played 20 matches in total, four goals, three assists amongst that time. Within that time, I believe he got mo- most of his goals and assists towards the end of his loan period when he sort of settled into the team. So hopefully, if he settled in a little bit, he can sort of kickstart that and maybe be up to speed a bit quicker than he was at Doncaster. If that happens, and he's sort of on a goal and assist every other game in League One, I think we've got a really good player so who can fit into the squad there. All right, let's move on. Fred, what have you got left in the news? Then I'm going to wrap this up. Yeah, there are a few small little bits and bobs. Uh, I won't go into this next point in great detail because it will bore you to tears, but there was an update with the bridge stuff. All it was was Andy Cullen and... Stephen Morgan meeting up with South Western Railway. Apparently, they are also in agreement with, you know, pushing forward for the footbridge and the feasibility study and that type of thing. But aside from that, network rail still aren't budging. So that's that in a nutshell. Nancy Frosted in The Athletic interviewed John Massino. There was a lot of very good bits in there. He described the league as competitive in the way that teams are taking a lot of points off each other and there's fine margins and that. Fits if you look at the table with Pompey being still unbeaten, but obviously only topped by a point, and then I think seven points away from sixth, I believe, off the top of my head. No, nine points away from sixth. Barnes here on 27. But one of the big 
little stat things in that article which I found interesting was the change from being direct to playing short. And they got a little infographic on there showing the comparison of um, Pompey under Danny Cowley and now under John Massino, the difference in pass completion, direct attacks and long pass percentage. Under Danny Cowley, the overall pass accuracy was sent to 2.8, averaging 2.5 direct attacks per 90 with 19.3% of their passes being long balls. But under Massino, the pass completions percent 6.1% with 1.8 direct attacks per 90 and 15.8 long pass percentage. So that little idea just shows the little change that we've all noticed from watching Pompey, that they are not being as direct as previous and there are less instances of the panic, the panic direct ball or the long pass, which is only a positive thing really so yeah if you've got an athletic subscription give nancy froston's article from john Massino a read she also interviewed colby bishop as well and that's also a good one right just to jump in there quickly because you asked me the definition for this before when we talked about optostats and you said what the hell is a direct attack and i told you since you've quoted it i'd like to know what is a direct attack and I may have forgotten. <laughs> I may have completely forgotten. I assume off the top of my head, a direct attack is a pass that's played over a certain over a certain length of the pitch, presumably. I mean, you still haven't got the exact definition, but it's the number of open play sequences that start from just inside your own half and have at least 50% movement towards the opposition goal. Ends in a shot or touch in the opposition's penalty box. There you go. It's an attack. Direct attack. Cool. Nice that I managed to clear that up for everyone. Andy, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast for a fairly short episode with no game to preview, but hopefully some decent content there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think the way you finished there with a, a definition, what's that? It's a, a Blackadder, isn't it? Where Baldrick does that poem for Blackadder and Blackadder said, well, it started, the start wasn't great. It tailed off in the middle and the less said about the end, the better. So I don't know if that's fitting for you ending with the definition there, but... It works. Uh, lovely to talk to you, Hugh. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks for the uh, the Blackpool game. Yeah, thanks, mate. And I, I think ending in a quote is probably a great way of doing it as well there from you. But really, it's been great having you on the podcast. My pleasure, Hugh. No, always nice to be on. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Blackpool in a fortnight's time. Yeah, so go check out the, the extra episode. And go and congratulate Jack when he obviously wins the award, which is going to be tomorrow night for the Football Contents Award. So congrats on the nomination, Jack. Have you seen he sat at a table with Port Vale, apparently? I don't know if they're getting the entire squad down there or the, the entire all of Stoke. I don't know. It could be a very big table, but he's just mixing with the, the big wigs nowadays. You should probably bring a knife if he's mixing with the whole of Stoke, just for self-protection. Oh, that's a better thing to end it on a bit of... Uh... It's not a xenophobia, is it? Because they're not foreign. But yeah, that's a far better ending to their the, uh, podcast. Go with that. I'm glad you think that, mate. And until next time, Flat Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle! <laughs>